offering or grabbing that cup of coffee. Just make your way in as soon as possible, but we are going to start. So we're doing a teaching, kicking the water off, doing a teaching series uh, called, uh, hold on one second, let me just make sure something's going on back here. Come on. We have to make sure the SoundCloud is being recorded. That's <laughs> we have a revolt if there's no SoundCloud recording. Where's the SoundCloud? So we're doing uh, our series is Kingdom Culture. And the um, idea behind culture is that uh, we're in the world, but not of it. Anybody know what that means? You know what I understand that? We're in a world, but you just don't quite feel like you're at home in this world. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, I feel like I, I don't fit. And that oftentimes that happens when we become born again. We become born of his spirit. His spirit comes into us. We are changed. One of the words the Bible uses is translated. We are moved from one place to another. We no longer are part of this system. We become attached or bound to the culture of heaven. The issue is, is that oftentimes while that's a reality, it's not, it's not understood. And so we're, even as Christians, we're trying to live our lives in such a way that is not connected with who we really are and is not connected to, um, uh, to the world into which we're born. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, we try even as Christians and we're trying to live like normal people. But the problem is, is that we're not normal. Right. Aren't you glad you're not normal? Right. Normal's weird. So you're not normal. We're no longer normal. We are, no, we are called out of darkness into light. We are part of another world and another system and another culture. What is a culture? It's a system of ideas, beliefs, attitudes, and actions that define a group of people. Okay? So what, what's interesting about the city that we live in is we're very multicultural. Can we agree? Okay? And in that multicultural city, all of us being from different places, the culture within our countries or within our families or within our places that we find ourselves is a lot different. Can we agree with that? If you were to go to even America, the United States, the culture, that, the way the system of beliefs, attitudes, and actions in California is different than the way it is in Alabama. And the way it is in Alabama, it's different than the way it is in Ohio, right? And the way it is in the Bahamas is different than the way it is in uh, the Virgin Islands. And the way it is in Dominican Republic is different than the way it is in Cuba. And the way it is in Venezuela is different than the way it is in Colombia. And so on and so forth. You understand me, right? So that's what a culture is. It's a set of ideas, beliefs. So as Christians, we are believers. So there are certain things that we are to believe. There's attitudes and actions that we're to incorporate. And where do we find these attitudes and actions? How do we know who it is that we're supposed to be? Well, the Bible tells us. And so the idea behind kingdom culture is to understand who we are and what culture we're a part of. That if we can get the fact that we are created for his world, we're born into his world and we are in the world, but we are not of the world. So we're to understand and know his world and bring his world or release his world into and through our lives. Then everything's going to change. But if we keep trying to live like the world around us as a Christian, it's never going to work. You can't do marriage like the world. You can't raise kids like the world. You can't do business like the world. You can't manage your money like the world. You can't think like the world. As a Christian, it will not work. Will not work because you're symbiotically bound to another system. And that system only activates when you participate in it. This is why we have a lot of dysfunction within the life of the believer. And I'm not saying everything's going to be perfect, but one of the reasons why we have no flow is we don't understand what it is that we're connected to. We don't understand what we're a part of. And so we're kind of blind to that aspect. One of the aspects of kingdom culture, so we've been talking about that, what is the mindset of heaven? It's the goodness of God, the grace of God, the power of God, the love of God. But here's the, today's on power. So say this with me. God's kingdom, God's kingdom. is a kingdom of power. power. Uh-huh. It's power. You say with a smile, power, because he wants to give it to you. You ever dream of being a superhero? Come on, you can admit it. Jacqueline White, she's not here today, but her little boy uh, comes and he dresses up as a superhero every week. 
And I love it, man. Kid comes, and uh, I was at the store the other day, and they were uh, clearing a, an Iron Man mask, a really cool Iron Man mask for like three bucks. I bought it and gave it to him. His mom said he's been wearing it all week long. <laughs> We've been, we dream of being superheroes. We dream of being more powerful than we are. And the reality for the believer is you are more powerful than you believe you are. You are more powerful than you even think you are. What happens is, is that our world, let's just say this here. So uh, let's just understand this. So our world is considered the natural world. Have you ever heard that? You ever, ever, okay. So if our world is the natural world, his world is what? Ah, we got some smart people in here. And so if we are not of this natural world, we are born into a what world? Uh-huh. So there should be some supernatural activity going on in our lives, right? There should be some miracles. There should be some power. There should be some things happening. There should be some victories. There should be all kinds of wonderful, powerful, supernatural. Like that shouldn't have worked out, but it did. Supernatural. I shouldn't have known that, but I did. Supernatural. This shouldn't have occurred, but it did. Supernatural. So we are born into a supernatural world. And the beauty of this is, is that Jesus wants to give power. We run from it in today's modern church or we don't mature into it. That's the other thing. We're either like, you know, it's one thing to experiment with it, but we're to mature into our power. And then there's another side of aspect of Christianity that doesn't believe there's any power at all. Had a guy most recently tell me, I believe all the miracles died with the apostles, Kevin. So when John, John died, all the miracles died with him. And I looked at him, my, my attitude is poor you. I feel bad for you, you know. You shouldn't call on God or believe God for nothing because there are no more miracles according to you. But that's not what the Bible says. What that is, is that's an excuse of men. We make up doctrines to, to excuse our powerlessness. We make up doctrines to excuse why we can't see power. And so we create a belief system to justify why there's no power rather than backing up and trying to get understanding and go, okay, your word says you sent power, Lord. So the problem can't be with you. The problem has to be with me or with us. So what is it that we're doing wrong and what is it that we're not doing or that we should be doing or that, you know, that's how you process this stuff, right? Say this with me. The problem is always on our side. The problem is never with the Lord. If God's decreed a promise and he's spoken it and he said it's yours or you can have it or anything that's related to that and you say, well, why don't I have it? I can, you rest assured the problem's with you. There's activation principles that are related to every single promise. Everything that God releases must be activated. It's, a spe it's not a spectator. Say this with me. Christianity, Christianity is not a spectator sport. We don't look at it. We participate in it. And so even salvation is a promise and an acting of power into our lives that can only be accessed if you do something. Jesus has died for the whole world, but not everybody's saved. Can we agree? Everybody can be saved. Will everybody? No. Is it God's will that everyone be saved? Yes. God wills that none should perish, but all should come to a saving knowledge. That's his will. But will they? No. Because not all will activate the power that he has provided. He has provided the power of salvation, which to my friend, my next time I talk to him, if I talk to him ever again, who tells me that there's no more miracles, with the, well, there's no more miracles I'm going to say, including salvation? So if all the miracles died with the apostles, then there is no more salvation, according to that theology. Because you can't say, well, this exists. You have to accept the whole. You can't just piece that up. The reality is no. We know there's miracles because people are still being born again. And so if people are being born again, then, there's other, then the other miracles live as well. They've not died. They're here. We just have not learned to access them. Do we understand each other? We getting, we getting this? His kingdom, say it. His kingdom is a kingdom of power. Jesus said, I'm going to send the Father what I have promised you. The Father has promised something to you, and I'm ascending, and when I go, I'm sending him to you. And I need you to stay here and do nothing until you're clothed with power. Clothed with power, which means power is something we put on. It's something we dress ourselves in. It's something we access. Understand that? So this is something that's given to us. It's given to us uh, that Jesus said, listen, and here's the, here's the reality. This is why you need power. Because you can't live life without power. You can't. Say, so I need Jesus. All I need is Jesus. Absolutely. But you can't do the things Jesus tells you to do without power. Everything he tells you to do is impossible. 
Just accept that and you're going to be free. Because what he's told you to do, you can't. But what he's told you to do in the spirit, you can. Right? Isn't what I'm talking about? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a verse in Philippians. So like, okay, let's just do an example. I'll do a couple examples, right? Love your wife as Christ loved the church. Love that one. How are we doing? Husbands, anybody want to come up and tell us how you're loving your wife as Christ loved the church? Ladies, honor your husband as unto the Lord. Any ladies want to come up here and tell us how the full extent of your honor, maybe your husband would speak on your behalf or maybe the wife would speak on. The reason is, is God has told you to do something that's impossible. How about this one? Love your enemies. Do good to those who despitefully use you. You can't do that. It is not in you to do that without the Holy Spirit. But watch this. You get in the Holy Spirit, and now all of a sudden you can love anybody. You can forgive anybody. You can love that woman. You can honor that man. You can serve that dude that just blew your car up. I mean, you can do all kinds of stuff in the Spirit. And so this is stuff we have to understand that's part of our liberty. And what we do is we try to follow Jesus based upon externals. For freedom's sake, Christ has made you free. You cannot follow him based upon externals. And so we go, we try, I'm going to try one more time. And then we put all the externals on us and put all the externals on us and put all the externals on us. And then we realize we can't sustain it. Right? Anybody ever anybody here go to the gym at all? Anybody here dream of going to the gym? Maybe in your mind you go to the gym. But anyway, like if you were to hold weight up, you can hold that weight up for a, long, for a, for a while, but you're not going to be able to hold that weight up indefinitely. You do not have the power to hold that weight up. The weight of the glory of the Lord that is upon your life and what he has called you to, you do not have the weight to sustain it. He has to give you the strength in order to do it. Hence the Holy Spirit. And this is exactly where the church has angled away from the Spirit of God. We've angled away from power. We either put power on display like it's a circus, okay? And I'm okay with the circus as long as there's a purpose to it, as long as we're maturing, as, you know, if we're, if we're still like, you know, cartwheeling and, you know, riding bicycles into the wall and crayon in the walls like kids and we don't mature, then we have a problem. So I don't have a problem with that necessarily. Then we have another side over here that's down the lane of that there is no power. And we neuter the church. We neuter the Christian. We put rules and regulations upon you. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You leave the church with a checklist because they've just given you a checklist of things to do. Well, try it out. You're not going to be able to do it unless, you, unless you're operating from the Spirit. That's why power is paramount. That's why power is important. So here we have the idea here. So Jesus is telling them, I promise you power. Then we go to Acts 1 where Jesus is talking to his disciples and they're thinking in the world. So they're thinking on a natural plane. I want you to see where Jesus is talking from. They're saying, will you at this time restore the nation of Israel? In other words, are you going to make everything right in our country, Lord? Are you going to just make this natural world right? And Jesus is like, uh, no, this is not the time or the place for that to happen. That time and season is in the hands of the Father. So he shifts their thinking. They're thinking down the line of the natural. Where's Jesus thinking? Supernatural. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You get it? He's promised this power. It's the thing he died to give. If Jesus died to give you something, it behooves you and me to take it. It is a dishonor and a disrespect. Okay, you ever see kings? You, if a king offers you a gift, do you deny it? <laughs> if a king offers you a gift, do you deny it? No. Yeah, well, see, we're in a political system where we don't have kings. But if you look at countries around the world, when a king bestows something or gives something, you don't deny the gift. You accept it. You, you know, put it on. You wear it out in public. You do whatever it is. And so if it's a dishonor to an earthly king to reject a gift, how much more is it to a heavenly king to reject his gifts? And that's far more than salvation. The Holy Spirit is a gift. It's power. Power for your every need. Power for your every purpose. You know, listen, there's freedom in this place this morning, man. You know, when I understood that I can't, whoo, I went free. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I can't. I can't. But in Christ, I can. In the Spirit, I can. That's the point. We get this? So Jesus has promised his power. His culture is a culture of power. His world is a supernatural world. Jesus brought that world with him. Okay? He operated in the power of the Spirit. Winds calming down, oceans calming down, dead being raised. He brought his world with him. So when he showed up, his world was there. Something happened. It's a kingdom of power. What's the word power? In the Greek, so here's a, give you a little basic Bible understanding. 
English is a translation of the original text of the scripture. The original text of the scripture in the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, translated into a form of Greek, specifically called Koine Greek. So it was translated from Hebrew into Koine. So the Old Testament we have in Koine Greek and we have in Hebrew. The New Testament primarily was written and translated from Koine Greek. So the idea here is that if we're going to understand what the Bible says, we have to go back to the original language. If we're going to understand what the Bible's words are trying to use, we have to go back to the original word to understand what that word really means. We get it? So that's why you'll hear Greek and Hebrew sometimes, is because we're going back to the original word to try to extract the meaning. Greek is very specific. Very specific. The word power in the Greek is the word dunamis or dynamos. It's where we get the word dynamic. So here it is, Christian. Right? If you're a believer, you should have a dynamic life. There should be something dynamic happening with you, right? Something. Something's got to happen. Like Mr. Wonderful, you guys ever see the movie The Incredibles? Anybody with me? Right? And the little boy comes up on a little scooter, and he looks at him, and he goes, what are you looking at? What are you waiting for? And he goes, Some, what did he say? Something amazing. Something amazing. Something amazing. He's waiting for something amazing. Something amazing should be happening. Things should be changing. Something should be happening. Dynamite is explosive power. So Jesus gives us dynamic power, which is that. And he also gives us this word dynamo, which is generating power. I tell the Christian, you have power within you that will generate within you. We deny that we're always looking to heaven for the power to come. But the power's in you. The Holy Spirit's in you. Okay? Any of you that are meteorologists or you like the Weather Channel, one of the things they love to talk about on the, media cha- on the Weather Channel is when two storm fronts hit because something's going to happen, right? Anybody with me? You ever watch the Weather Channel? You say, Kevin, man, you, you, you got too much time on your hands. You're like watching the Weather Channel. No, I'm just, anyway. uh, I, I got it from the movie The Perfect Storm when the two fronts hit. Boom, this crazy storm happened. But we have two storm fronts. We have the Spirit of God who falls upon us, and we have the Holy Spirit within us who is the dynamo who rises within us. God is trying to create a perfect storm. I don't know if you know that. He's got two weather fronts happening. And so when we're praying and the Spirit of God is falling, and then we allow the Spirit to generate within us, boom, something's going to happen. You get it? So we have the dynamo. That's the Spirit of God is within you. All you've got to do is begin to, begin to let the Spirit of God generate. Yes, the Spirit comes, but more than likely, what he, when you don't sense, well, I just don't sense the Spirit coming. Because the Lord is trying to teach you to walk off the dynamo. Anytime something is absent, it's because there's either something wrong or something that we're not doing, or the Lord is trying to instruct you with something. So many times Christians were dependent, if we're spiritual at all, that's the bigger question, is we're dependent upon the atmosphere. Well, whether the atmosphere exists or whether the atmosphere doesn't, you have the Spirit of God to generate life in you anytime you want it. Is the well out of your belly will flow. You have to let that happen. So we have this idea. So we have the word dunamis dynamos, which is dynamic, dynamite, dynamo power. The movement of the spirit is charismata. So when the spirit moves, the word is used charismata. And what does it mean? It means the movement of love. And so when God is doing something, he's moving in a dynamic, explosive, generating way. And the, and the power behind that is, is love. Everything he's doing. Whether it's a prophetic word, whether it's a word of encouragement, whether it's even the words that I'm speaking now, there's love upon it because the Spirit is moving on it. Everything he does is in love. Prayers for the sick, it's out of love. When Jesus healed, he had compassion on them. When he broke the bread and fed the 5,000, he looked at the people and had compassion. Love began to move. Charismata began to happen. Boom, power happened. He looked at the sick and the infirmed. He walked by them. He had compassion on them. Boom. Woman touches his thing. She takes something that's hers. Jesus looks at her, says, why'd you do? Who, who touched me? She's like, me, you know? And he has compassion on her. And he says, you have what you, ha- what you want, the movement of love. Everything is out of love. So if you like giving prophetic words, you better brace it in love. You like praying for the sick, you better brace it in love. You like, anything we do is out of, it's in the spirit out of love. And against love, there is no law. Bible calls you a drunk, happy person, man. These men are not drunk as they suppose. We're love drunk. We get in the spirit, we're love drunk. Anybody been love drunk? Oh, yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're love drunk. You're peeling off money. You know, you're, you're, do, you're, doing, you're doing everything. You're buying things, you know, painting pictures, writing poems. You know, that's what it means to be in the spirit. We move out of love. Everything is essenced in love. It's a power rate that is generated by and from love. So do we understand power? Dunamis, dynamos, clothing in power. 
This is what these are the words that the Bible uses. So if you want reference points for your scripture, so when you're hearing your Bible's talking about power, it's talking about we clothe with power, we put it on. It's talking about to be empowered or to be in power. And we positionally aligned. That's what it means. We position ourselves in alignment with power. What does that mean? You have to plug the cord into the wall if you want the light to come on. Well, I'm just waiting for the light to come on. Well, how about plugging it into the wall? Well, I don't really think that's the best thing. I don't really feel like plugging it into the wall. Well, the light's not coming in unless you plug it into power. You cannot intellectualize the gospel. We're training a generation to intellectualize the gospel. We're training a generation that we understand God only with your mind. It will never work. God will never meet you in the human mind. He will meet you in the mind of the spirit, but never in the human intellect. He will use the human intellect, but never without the Holy Spirit. Your human intellect is most alive when you're in the spirit. You think you're smart? You think you're a rocket scientist or you're a genius? Get in the spirit and let him show you. He'll show you calculus that never existed before because he'll use what you already have and he'll elevate it. That's who he is, but it's through the spirit. But we try to intellectualize the faith and we try to make everything intellectual. And if we don't understand it, man, we'll never, it's never going to happen. It's just never going to happen. To be positioning, aligning, so these are words, anointing, grace, or charis. Next slide, please. Tabernacle, so I'm gonna, probably not going to spend a lot of time here, but just to understand how God was created Adam. God created Adam to be the inhabitation of his spirit. It's from the beginning. The Lord's intent is to release his anointing in the earth. The Lord's intent is to release his charismata power in the earth. It is always his intent. He could have did it himself, but he created Adam, breathed into Adam the breath of life, releasing the anointing in the earth. The Bible says when Adam became a living soul, it uses the word ignite. Like a butane light coming on, you know, like, you know, like a pilot light, poof. It's about the presence. We talk about the presence. The presence in us and the presence with us. The abiding presence ignites the presence within us. His desire is to release the anointing within the earth. And his desire is to release the anointing in the earth through his people. If it's the Lord's intent, so here we are. Are we servants, right? We're servants, right? We're sons, we're daughters, and we're servants. You can't be a son or a daughter if you don't know how to serve. Okay? We don't get the serving down right. We can never go to son and daughter. We can say we're sons and daughters all we want, but you're not a son and daughter according to the scripture until you do what your father says. Until you start doing what your father says, don't be, don't be running around flashing the title of son and daughter. Go back and understand servant, and then you can come up to son and daughter. Right? Just saying. So we have to understand what that looks like. We have to understand that we're servants of God. And if Jesus wants to release his anointing in the earth, what are we supposed to do? We should figure that out, right? It's our job to figure it out and to partner with him and to understand what does this mean? What does this look like? If this is what you've done, right? If this is what you're doing, and you say, people, people will ask me this question, they'll go, then why isn't the church doing it? Do you know why the church isn't doing it? Because we create doctrines to deny the power. We create what I just told you. We tell the Christians there's no miracles. And so the people have zero expectation and you know what you're going to get if you believe for nothing? What are you going to get? Nothing. That's exactly right. You believe for nothing, you're going to get nothing. Heaven is activated by faith. Faith. And so when you teach people that there's nothing to believe for, there's no, hack, there's no activation of heaven. There's no activation of power. And this is what we're teaching. I'm serious. This is, this is going on all across America today. And I'm here to tell you I believe that God is calling for a revival in his church. He's calling, and we're going to see everything God did, he did, and he released the anointing when the people were sleeping. Adam was sleeping when he breathed into Adam. And Adam woke up. Say this with me. People have a tendency to fall asleep. And I get a witness. <laughs> Somebody brought, man, I'm about to nod out now, dude. You know, I'm, I'm tired right now. So, but everything, so what happens is, is God releases his anointing and we fall asleep. God releases his anointing, we fall asleep. Adam had the anointing, he sinned, mankind fell asleep. God revived his anointing through, through uh, uh, J Abraham. He, Abraham fell asleep. God spoke into Abraham, spoke identity and purpose and blessing I'll bless you, multiplying I'll multiply you. Uh, Abraham awoke 
with a prophetic anointing on his life and began to change the world. Then he has an ancestor named Jacob. Jacob sleeps. While Jacob was sleeping, God spoke a prophetic dream to Jacob that showed him he had access through the heavenlies, through the ladder, to another world. The nation goes into Egypt and sleeps for 400 years. And when they awoke, when the anointing of the blood of Christ was applied to their life, the people who had forgotten who they were, the people who had been in bondage and slavery, when the anointing that had been upon them, when it was applied, and they actually did what Jesus said and applied the anointing, something happened, didn't it? They came out of their bondage. They came out, they inherited everything that was taken from them. Everything that had, been, that had been enslaved, everything that the enemy had stolen was heaped upon them when they learned how to apply the anointing. Just saying. <laughs> Church is sleeping. Sleeping. We can't even get out of bed to come to church on Sunday morning. Why? Because it's not worth it. We like the cool underside of the pillow. We like to sleep. Sleep. We love to sleep. Sleep. Got to get you in and out of here in an hour. People got things to do. Yeah, what do they got to do? Go home and, you know, binge watch Netflix? Give me the glory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give me the glory. A day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Come on. I want his presence. You aren't getting this on the street, man. This is the glory of God in this room. This is the power of God in this room. This, the words that you're hearing are spirit and they are life. That's why they're moving in you. There's something moving in you because the word that is spoken to you is spirit and life. We are sleeping. When we sleep, we lose our identity and we lose our capacity. Huh? You know who you are when you're sleeping. You wake up and you have to remind yourself, where, where am I? What? Who am I? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's me. Yeah, there I am. But you also don't have any capacity when you're sleeping. God wants to impart, and I believe he's imparting his spirit now while the church is sleeping. He is looking for some people who will wake up to the anointing, who will wake up to the power and the presence that is available to them in the spirit. And he will change the world. He doesn't need 10,000. He delivered Israel with 350 people. He can deliver a nation with a handful of people. Huh? He delivered Israel with a Jonathan and an armor bearer. He delivered a nation with a David who knew who he was. Doesn't take much. It just takes some people who are waking up. We have Christians right now, we dream dreams, but we have no power to accomplish them. There's plenty of dreamers in the church, and there should be. I'm all for dreaming. We are a generation of dreamers and visionaries. I empower the dreams of God's people. Empower them. But we dream dreams, and we have no ability to accomplish them. You know why? Because we don't have the Spirit. Or we deny the Spirit, professing godliness but denying the power thereof. That is the church of the last days. Read it. In the last days, men will be lovers of themselves. They will profess godliness, but they will deny what? Power. 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 They're not denying Jesus. They're not denying the cross. They're not denying anything else, but they're denying the power. Completely unaware of what is ours when we sleep. Ephesians says, watch this, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the weight depth, and that you would be able to understand what Jesus died to give you. That you would get it. Two Greek words he uses here. He uses the word comprehend, katalambano. Right? I've been to Bible school. I've, I've done studies in the book of Ephesians. I've had doctrine taught to me. I understand. And what I've been taught is Jesus wants you to comprehend he wants you to get it in your mind. Yeah, there are some things we got to get in our mind, but he wants you to, to, to know it. That's not the word he uses. If, that, if he wanted us to comprehend in the sense of knowing, he would have used the Greek word gnosis. He didn't use the Greek word gnosis. He used kata lambano. Kato means down. Uh, down. So we have kata lambano. Where am I? <laughs> kata, down, la is liquid. The la and the bano means where we get the word based. What is he saying? What is kata lambano? What flows down over us and bastes us? Can I get a witness? Who flows over us and bastes us? 
So he's saying, I pray that you would be basted in the understanding, that you would be atmospherically changed to such a degree that you were just soaked and basted like a roast. And you would understand what Jesus has done for you. He didn't say walk around with your intellectual mind and get it locked in. He said, let it baste you. So when the Spirit is moving over you, I got news for you. It's what Jesus wants. It's what he wants. When the Holy Spirit's moving, it's just like, yes, 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 more. Just let him increase. Let him flow. Let him flow. He's basting you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's what he's doing. We act like that's something strange. It's what he wants. Catalumbano. Let it flow down. Let it baste you. Let it baste your mind. The anointing, you can move the anointing. That's the thing. He's a river. The Spirit of God moves like a river. You can move him. Say, just saturate my mind right now and just begin to let the Spirit of God move through your mind. Let it move through your body. Let it move. Feel him in your bones. Speak life. Let's let it happen. This is what we have. This is the inheritance, the richness that you would be basted in the understanding of knowing what your inheritance is. Then he uses that you would know the love of God. He uses epignosis. Well, there's the word gnosis, Kevin. Yeah, but that's not knowledge. It's epic knowledge. It means experiential knowledge. That you would have experiential knowledge into the love of God. That you would know this God and the depth of his love for you. Not know of it, but experience it. It's like the Hulk, the roller coaster, right? You can know of the Hulk roller coaster, but you don't know that roller coaster until you've ridden that roller coaster. Can I get a witness? Anybody here? You know what I'm talking about? Or whatever your ride is. Maybe it's the Kumba at the Tampa Park, you know. You can know of it, but you don't know that thing until you've ridden it. You can know of Jesus, but you don't know him until you've experienced him. You don't know him until you have epignosis. So God is calling us into an experience. He's calling us into an encounter. He's calling us to be bathed in the presence of who he is. Come on. This is good, man. This will change your life. This will change you if you will begin to practice the presence. This will change everything about you. Where do you have problems? We address it from this point. Next slide, please. All right. So what is grace? There's three words, right? This is a little academic teaching here this morning. Are you guys with me? Yeah. yeah? All right. So here's what I would say to you. Bible says this, in all your ways get wisdom, in all your ways get understanding. Seek it more than gold and silver. So if we're going to access the gold and silver of the kingdom, because it's more than just the gold and silver of this world, we have to have wisdom and we have to have understanding. In other words, we've got to understand how this works. God creates everything in an order and in a system, and there are principles and practices into which we can operate and access the things that are ours. The law of first use. So let's say this together. Grace, Grace. Love, love, and power are the same words. They're different words, but they're synoptic. They're, 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 they're bound. They're part of a collective whole. So when God is speaking of grace, he's speaking of power. When God is speaking of power, he's speaking of love. When God is speaking of love, he's speaking of grace. You see the connection? So when you're reading your Bible, every time you read the word grace, power's in there somewhere. Every time you read the word grace, love is in there somewhere. Every time you read the word love, power's in there somewhere. You get it? This is how the structure, this is how the Bible is constructed. And so if we're going to understand grace, we have to go to the law of first use. This is, again, some of you guys are Bible students. And so what happens with the Bible school, with, with understanding your Bible, if you want to understand a word, you have to go to the original language, and you have to go back to the first place that it was used. It's called the law of first use. And if you, want, if you can go back to the first place that it was used, that's really the root of the understanding. There's other ways of doing it, but that's, that's one of the ways of extracting the meaning. So if we go back to the law of first use and the, and the power of grace, where is that first use? Genesis 18.3 is the first use of the word grace. This phrase that I'm about to say, say it with me, if I have found grace in your eyes. That phrase is repeated by almost every man of God or woman of God in the scripture. And so that phrase, as it relates to grace, is telling us something. Number one, grace must be found. Grace is all around you. The power of God is all around you. The glory of God is all around you. The glory of God is in you. But if you do not honor that, you cannot access that. Honor creates access. You have to find it. Where is the, where is the power of God? It's find it. You have to find it. Grace must be found. Secondly, grace is in the eyes of the Lord. You want to see where power lies? Where's the Lord looking? There's power. Wherever the Lord is looking, if I have found grace in your eye. Moses aligned himself 
with where God was looking. God was looking at the nation of Israel. And what Moses is saying, if I have correctly aligned myself with you, then go with me. That's what he's saying. Because that's what Moses was doing. He was looking into his line of sight. The power must be present, must be recognized. Host, so we'll come back to that. So what does this look like? So here's how we do this. So this is a principal practice, right? So you can look at that and say, Lord, where are you looking? Where are you looking? What matters to you? Not to me. What matters to you? Where are you looking in my marriage? Where are you looking in my destiny? Where are you looking in my future? Where are you looking in my finances? Where are you looking in my world? Where are you looking? And begin to enter into the line of sight. There is the release of power. The power to enable, the power to accomplish, the power to achieve. There is the force of God's power and all of the other, force, all of the other things that come along with that. But that is the force of God's power is where he is looking. Where is he looking? He's looking at you this morning. You know, he looks at you. His eyes are on you. His eyes are always on his people. His eyes are on the broken. His eyes are on the hurting. It's always there. You say, well, then why doesn't he do something about it? Because that's your job and mine. I was there the other day, last three days. I've been like really trying to worship God and just really, um, I'll, I'll say it to you in, in, a, in a way that's hopefully relatable. Trying to practice what I preach. That's always a good idea, right, for a pastor, like practice what you preach. So I've been practicing the presence a lot more than I normally do. I, you, I do it, but I'm like, well, let's go a little deeper on this. And so I've been really just trying to just get into this presence of the Lord. And I was meditating on this idea of where God is looking. And so I went to Starbucks, that really spiritual coffee place, right? So I went in there to get a, a shot of uh, uh, a quad. Mocha macchiato at Starbucks with uh, the coconut milk is very good, by the way. So I recommend it with four shots because it'll really, you know, anyway. <laughs> you guys can laugh. It's all right. And you can go, that's weird. But anyway, so I went into Starbucks as I'm praying, I'm worshiping, I'm in the spirit, and I'm asking the Lord, where is he looking? And I walk past, and they have the newspapers. You guys know with the newspaper, they have the newspaper rack, right? And so the newspaper was flipped upside down, and I walked by, and as I walked by, I saw this article, and I felt from the article. And so I got my coffee, and I walked by, and I looked at it again, and I got in the car, and I started just meditating on why I was feeling from this article. Like, what is God saying? God is speaking something to me from this article. And it was uh, that guy Boko Haran or whatever that dude's name is. You guys know who I'm talking about? That crazy guy in Africa that's like doing all these like genocidal things. He kidnapped, they've said he's kidnapped over 100,000 uh, boys and is making a boy army. And as I walked by, there was a little boy holding his face like this. And I walked by and I just saw the headline. And when I felt it, when I walked by, and I just got in the car and I was like, wow. And I just started to meditate on that. And I could, felt like the Lord is looking at that. This is something he's looking at because I'm feeling it. God is looking at it, right? And so I began to ask the Lord and I began to just meditate. And I thought to myself, if I lived there, they would take my son. If you lived there, they would take your son and your daughter. Huh? Let's bring it home. Let's pull the car right up in the driveway. They will come and show up at your house and take your child and there's nothing you can do about it. And your daughter will go to the most godless place you've ever imagined and your son will go to the most godless place you've ever imagined. And they torment these children and they force them to commit acts of atrocity at a very young age because they're traumatizing the psyche of a child in order to make them brutal killers that have no conscience. And the Lord's eyes are on that. How do I know? Because I've felt it. I'm trying to teach you how to discern the Lord's eye. And I felt it. And so I, what am I gonna do? I didn't know what to do, but I did the only thing I could do. I began to pray. And I didn't even know what to pray. Okay, so this is okay too. So you know what I do? I just release his spirit. I said, Father, I don't even know what to pray there. I feel your pain. I feel that weight of heaven, but you need a man to bring about the glory and the kingdom. And who am I? I am no one but your servant. And I just began to pray and just began to release that God would begin to do something. Whatever the power is there, whatever God is doing, I began to pray, began to release. And I could feel the force of heaven in that prayer, even though I was just releasing. Why was there power? Because that's where the Lord's eye is. We get it? And it's not just an issue of prayer. It's an issue of participation and doing something. It's where the eye is. This is who we are, ladies and gentlemen. All of creation groans for the sons of daughters of God to know who they are. That's in Romans. The world is groaning and waiting for you and me to understand who we are and to take our rightful place and to access the inheritance that has been given to us and begin to release it in the earth. The world is waiting. You're on stage. There's no dress rehearsal. Even if you don't know what to do, just go, Lord, I just release your spirit. 
I just release your spirit. I just release your spirit. You're an arbiter of two worlds. We release his spirit, even if that's all you're doing. That's, you're doing something. You're participating, right? You're doing something. And then let him add to you off of that. Grace is in the eyes of the Lord. His power must be hosted, activated, and released. Key principle, we teach this in Firestarters. You want to know how to do a power God, Christian? I'm going to teach you. It's not that hard. It's an application of principles. We host his presence. What does that mean? Holy Spirit, come. We begin to let his presence come. Once once you're accessing his presence and you sense his presence, he's going to activate. He always does. In other words, he's going to begin to release something. He's going to show you something. He's going to do something. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. From a ministry standpoint, it looks like this. And some of you who who have ministered to people, you know. And that's okay, because I might show up with my truck of stuff, and I might dump it on you sometime, too. So that's okay. So we're all friends. So from a ministry standpoint, I'm standing here, Pastor, pray for me. Woom, pa-pow. And like a nuclear bomb just goes off in my face of the worst situation you could ever possibly imagine. And I've had a lot of them, and they come immediately. And I'm immediately blown back by what's going on in somebody's life. And so what do I do? What do I do? Do I just pontificate on my sound wisdom and, you know, give them a book or something? Well, maybe, you know, on my, on my worst days. But what I really do is I begin to host the presence of the Lord. I begin to ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom. I begin to ask the Holy Spirit for his presence. And once I sense his presence coming, I begin to ask the Spirit, what do you want to do here? What do you want to say here? And sometimes it's a word of encouragement. Sometimes it's a word of I understand. Sometimes it's a prayer. Sometimes it, it just depends. But we host his presence. We activate his presence. In other words, let him tell you what he wants to do. And then you engage it. You release it. So we got Christians that know how to host his presence. So we got hosting parties all over the place. Host, we're just hosting the presence. Hosting the presence. Wonderful. Love to host the presence. Then we got hosters and activators. Woo! Man, I was in the presence of the Lord. And the Lord told me to build a bridge. I was activated, man. And then I look at him and go, when are you building the bridge? Well, I don't know. When the Lord wants me to build the bridge. We, you, act, he, we, you hosted. He activated. Now release. Begin to engage what it is that he's told you to do. Some of you, your life's on hold because you've worshipped the Lord. You've been in his spirit. He's activated you or shown you things relating to your life or your future. And you have not begun to do them. And so everything's on hold, and you're waiting for Jesus to do something for you that he's empowered you to do. You don't have to know. Here here comes freedom. Everybody go, come on, freedom. Say it with me. Here comes freedom. You don't have to know what you're doing. Boom, she's going to fall off there. I'm falling off there. See, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm walking off the stage. You don't have to know what you're doing. You don't. What you have to do is partner with him. That's all you got to do. Partner with him. You have no clue. As soon as you accept the fact that you don't know what you're doing, hey, well, happy day. It's like the song we sang, you know? I don't know what I'm doing, but Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. I tell this to Christians, and they get a little upset sometimes, or they get a little, look at me really weird, and I tell them, Jesus has no confidence in you. What? He doesn't. You know what he has confidence in? Himself. In you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You think his confidence was in the disciples when he told them to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel? I mean, did you see, have you read about that bunch? Did you read, you read these guys, right? Peter doesn't like kids. He's throwing kids off the side. Get these kids out of here, right? James and John got some serious anger issues. Fire down on these people, Lord. You know what I'm saying? Thomas isn't sure. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm a little confused. <laughs> They're all messed up. He had no confidence in them. He had confidence in himself and in his spirit, and that should liberate you. That should give you the courage to move forward because you don't have to know what you're doing. Aren't you glad? We sing hallelujah. And when you hit a wall and you back up and go, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. You get in his spirit, you worship him, let him activate and let him give you the direction again. Get it? This is living faith, Christian. This is the faith that's alive. This is the dynamic power that God has released to you. The dynamic living faith of the partnership with heaven. This is what it looks like. What is God looking at? What does heaven want for my life, for my marriage, for my home, for my ministry, for, for, for my future, for the city, for the nation? What does God want? What is heaven looking at? What are you looking at for me, Lord? What are you looking at? I'm going to tell you, he's got glorious things for you. If you would ever give him a chance to look at you. Most of us were like this. Is he looking at me? Of course he's looking at you. 
Get in the line of sight of the Lord. Here I am, Lord. Like David, I know I'm jacked up. Search me and know me. Here I am. Get in the line of his sight. Let him see you. Let him speak over you. Let him speak life to you. Let him call you forward. Get in his line of sight. What matters to him? How do we find it? We find it through his word. We find it through his worship. That's why we seek his face. Okay, worship looks like this. We seek the face, the beauty, the holiness of God. We seek how beautiful he is. That's his face. Or we seek his hand. His hand is his power activated. So we have Christians that are seeking the Lord and the beauty of holiness. Wonderful. Let us seek the Lord and the beauty of holiness. Let us behold the glory of our God. But what does his hand want you to do? You understand? Then we got a whole other tribe that's over here and they're trying to seek the hand of God, but they haven't got to his face and so they don't know what it is that he's looking at. We get to his face and we see what it is that he's looking at. We get to know him face to face. We encounter him. I have seen the face of the Lord, the prophet said. I am undone. Let him undo you. See his face. See what he's looking at. Lord, but how? Let him show you things that overwhelm you. If you ain't overwhelmed by what the Lord shows you, he ain't showing you nothing. That's not proper grammar, but nonetheless, if you're not overwhelmed, God's going to show you things, great and mighty things that you have no clue about. Get in the line of his sight. World changers in this room. We have any world changers here? Come on. It's who you are. It's who you are. Not the person is you. Me? Yeah, you. You. You seek his face. Look, find out what he's looking for. Next slide. Almost done. Types of power. Okay? There's types of grace. The Bible teaches us that there's types of grace. There's abounding grace. There's saving grace. There's revealing grace. There's foundational grace. There's miracle grace. What does the word grace mean? Grace means, it starts with a P, power. So we have three words, power, grace, and what's the third one? It starts with an L, love. All right, you guys are great. So we have types of grace. So we have types of power that are available to you. This is your inheritance. This is what belongs to you. God is able to make all grace. So there's a bunch of grace. There's not just grace. All the types of grace abound upon you. Grace is God's enabling power towards you so that you will be sufficient in everything. You are sufficient for the work today. Not tomorrow, not next week, right now. Where is your sufficiency? In the spirit. Your sufficiency lies in the spirit. You need to become a student of learning how to enter the spirit. We should not be clueless on how to get in the spirit as Christians. It shouldn't be an anomaly because we were in the spirit one day. We should be disciplined and understand what it looks like to get in the spirit. I need to get in the spirit. I need a moment. <laughs> we should learn that. And we should come forth from that place. We need to learn that. We have abounding grace. Whatever you need sufficiency for, the grace is upon you. And that relationship to that grace, the sufficiency for that is in the spirit. Saving grace. For by grace you've been saved and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's the power that makes you born again. That same power. Anybody know what it likes to be born again? Huh? Wow. That's love drunk right there, right? When you're born again, man, that was great. Let's go back to that place. That's this place we experience with the Lord. Is that love drunk? It's saving grace. So when they say, there are no more miracles, Kevin, the miracles died with the apostles. You know what I ask? All of them? All of them? Of course all of them. Including salvation. Oh, no, not salvation. Well, then not all the miracles are dead, dude. If salvation lives, so does everything else. God is the God of the whole, not a heart of the part. I am the Lord God. I change not. Man, we got to torpedo that boat every time it crosses the grid. When people say there are no miracles, that is a lie. And if you believe that lie, that is a stronghold in your mind and in your heart that is exalting itself against the knowledge of Christ. And you should make it your life's mission to pull that thing down because it will prevent you from everything and anything in your life. If you hold that belief, you hold a false belief. Doesn't mean you're not saved, but you have a stronghold that the enemy is using to wage war against you from. The stronghold of your mind and your belief. Tear it down. You don't have, I don't understand miracles, but by God, I believe them. I don't care what they told me in Bible school, I believe them. I don't care what everybody else is thinking, I believe them. I'm tearing the stronghold down. It's exalting itself against the knowledge of Christ. Revealing grace. Paul said, I have the grace of revelation. God has shown me things more wonderful than me. There is a grace of wisdom and insight upon your life. 
He will show you, call upon me, and I will answer you. And what will he do? Show you great and mighty things. That is a grace of revelation, people. It's yours. Are you calling on him? Asking him? I need revelation, Lord. I don't need, I don't just, revelation's a whole other level than wisdom. Wisdom's, wisdom's great, but there ain't nothing like revelation. When he reveals something to you and you see and know what you never knew before, that is profoundly beyond wisdom. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We have the grace of revelation on our hearts. We should press for that. We have foundational grace, which means you have the ability to build things. Stop waiting for somebody else to do for you what God's empowered you to do. You know how to build. You have, got, you have a grace upon your life to build a foundation of success. You have a grace upon your life to build a foundation for a marriage. You have a foundation upon your life to build a foundation of destiny. You have a grace upon your life to build a foundation of habitation and worship. It's on you. Recognize it and engage it. Paul says, I have the grace of the master builder. I have I lay the foundation of a master builder and others build on it. It is given by grace. You have it. You have it. God, what are you trying to build? What keeps better yet? What keeps falling down? I keep seeing a shed that falls down. Somebody's backyard. You keep seeing a shed. What, the, what we do is we, the shed falls down and we try to build it again. The shed falls down we try to build again. Then we go, oh, God must not want me to build the shed. Well, maybe he wants you to build the shed, but he wants you to do it the right way. Right? We have the grace of a master builder. We know how to build. Say it with me. I have... The wisdom and the grace and the revelation to lay the foundation of kingdom success. We have miracle grace with great power. There's our word. The apostles testified of the resurrection. And that grace was upon all the people. You want miracles, Christian? You want the power of God? You should go to a church that actually believes in them. The Bible teaches us clearly here that when the apostles began to manifest the miracles, that power came upon all the people. The anointing is released when the leader begins to exercise it. And it doesn't mean that I know what I'm doing. It doesn't mean that pastors that are actually trying this stuff know what they're doing. But we get the other guy over there going, oh, well, you know, if, God, if miracles were today, then, you know, that would have just happened. Clearly nothing happened there. Therefore, miracles aren't for today. Yeah? Stay in your bondage, stay in your ignorance, stay in your foolishness. As for me and my son, we go to the mountain to worship. That's what Abraham said. Stay behind with the asses. You stay behind in the valley of unbelief. I and my son go to the mountain to worship. We seek the high things of the Father. We seek the high things of the kingdom. We seek the mountain where there is glory and not content with the weeds of the valley. Press into the high places. I'm telling you. Hanks told me before, he said to me, I've been doing prophetic ministry my whole life. And he said, I have never had the level of prophetic insight and revelation that I've had since I've been under this church. Amen. And do you know why? Because I honor the prophetic word. I had people, I talked to people, they believe in the gifts. They're like, oh, you guys see healing? Yeah, we see healing. Well, I don't see healing anywhere near as much as I'd like because I want to bat a thousand. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not content batting 150. I'm not content batting 200. I want to bat 1,000. But we see miracles, and people look at me, and they're like, oh, that's profound. I'm like, yeah, but it's trifles, man, compared to what I believe God wants to do. It's trifles. They're, like, all amazed because, like, a couple of people get healed. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's great. We celebrate that. We honor that. We glorify that. But miracles are released because we honor the miracle gifts. You should begin to operate in the things that this church is doing you should say, well, my church lays hands on the sick. I, I think I'm going to try this out. Don't know what I'm doing. But the pastor said, I don't have to know what I'm doing. So, Lord, I'm just going to lay hands on him and start laying hands on him. It's Jesus' name. Wisdom starts activating. You got problems with your pancreas? You got problems? You got problems with you? Oh, you do? You know what? We're just going to pray for your pancreas right now. That's how it works. Jesus teaches you as you ride the bicycle. He does. Now, there's principles, there's practices, there's understandings that we have, but we still have to do it. And as we do it, that knowledge is increased. Miracle grace, last slide. Is that last slide? No, exalting grace. Here we go. This is the exalting grace. When you humble yourself, the Bible says he, he gives grace to the humble. Does he not? Does he not? 
is what we've done as Christians. We've humbled ourselves to such a degree that we will never allow the Lord to exalt us. And every time the Lord wants to exalt you, oh, no, 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 no. I just got to stay down here. Let him exalt you. Let him give you the promotion. Let him give you the provision. Let him release to you resources. Let him increase your significance. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody know what I'm talking about? You feel like, and you're like, whoa, wait a minute. Well, I don't know, man. I just got to, I got to stay humble before the Lord. Somebody told me, don't you cry when your harvest comes. You harvest when your harvest comes. You step into that which God is giving you. You get it? There's, you humble yourself, power is on you to elevate you. Don't be shocked when he elevates you. Don't be shocked when you get a better job. Don't be shocked when you get a promotion. Don't be shocked when things go right. Don't be shocked. Things are going wrong for a while, but things are going to go right because it's your destiny. You cannot lose. Then we have the grace of inheritance, which comes through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is it. I thought I was going to be on time, but I'm a little over. My bad. Work with me. (laughs) There is a grace that is upon Jesus. Did you know that? A specific grace that he carried. Say, Jesus carried all? Yeah, I get it. But the Bible teaches us that there is a specific grace that he carried. That may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus, the anointed one, may the power of the Adonai, the anointed, come upon you. That's what he's saying. The anointing is always in the phrases Paul uses because he knows the anointing is paramount to the life of the believer. And the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all. Now, what's the grace of the Holy Spirit? Well, what's the grace of Jesus? Well, it tells us right here. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus. I do? Yeah, here it comes. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. In what way? In every way. He has endured the lack in order that you might receive the abundance. And we think, oh, that's about money. Well, yeah, okay, it's about money, true. But it's about relationships, it's about future, it's about destiny, it's about your faith, it's about every sphere of your life. And you know what the Bible would call that? Your inheritance. You have an inheritance, did you know that? Did you know that? Somebody looking at me like, what? You have an inheritance. All things that pertain to life and godliness in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You have an inheritance. The richness of his glory and his kingdom is yours. All of this grace is part of your inheritance. But we don't spend our inheritance. Do you know that? You know what Jesus wants you to do? Spend your inheritance. And do you know why we don't spend our inheritance? Because we don't think there's going to be more. But there again, we don't understand the kingdom. Say this with me. There's always more. There is always more. That's right. And what happens with the kingdom is the more you release, the greater the increase. Oh, that rhymes. The more you release, the greater the increase. So the more you release, the greater the increase. The more you're releasing love, wisdom, whatever it may be, the more you're releasing, the greater the increase. This isn't a kingdom of poverty. It's a kingdom of abundance. I had a dream the other day, a vision in my heart when I was driving and I was just meditating. This is my last three days. I've been in the car and it's just been like the glory, you know, and I'm feeling like, like almost like ethereal up here, man, like floating. And like I've been, and, and this doesn't happen to me all the time, so don't think like I walk around bump, bumping into a glory cloud. But if you will worship the Lord, you'll, you'll just, anyway. And I was seeing the Lord and he had all of this stuff. And I felt like he was handing me this stuff and he was telling me, give it away give it away. And I kept giving it away. And I'm like, how much more? And I felt like the Lord was showing me, it's unending. It's unending. What I have to give away is unending. And if you understand that God wants to give it away and give it away, and there is no end to the abundance of the Lord. There's no end. And you have an inheritance. And these are ours. So you're not burdening God going, hey, God, can I have one more Snickers bar? Can I please? Can I please just have one more Snickers bar? I know you've already given me three, but I just really want one more Snickers bar. What do you think he's going to do? He's going to give you a box. <laughs> he's not going to give you a box. He'll give you a truck when you start understanding who you are. He owns the factory, man. If he ain't got no more, no more Snickers bars, he's going to make them. Whatever the Lord doesn't have, he told David, if I don't have it, I'll make it. I don't need it from you. Whatever he doesn't have, he's going to make it. This is who we are. So you have a grace of inheritance, Christian. You have a grace of inheritance. Draw on your inheritance. 
draw on your inheritance. Begin to practice the presence. Begin to practice drawing on your inheritance. Trying to figure out what does this look like? I gotta figure this out. And then you're gonna learn, oh, that, that was really cool. That, that opened a door. Well, that key didn't work over here, so let me come back over here. It's okay. You'll figure it out. You'll get it. We'll come to you. You believe it? Yes. Come on. It's awesome. Let me pray over you. Mm. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as Lord, we just talked about His grace and miracle power. You can encounter His saving grace today. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and He has risen from the dead, you will be saved. Grace and power will come into you and change you and forgive you. And you'll be alive for the very first time. And if that's you, we just want you to pray with us. We're going to pray together as a church. We're going to close this service out as a group. We all pray together, so we're not calling you out singularly. Just pray with us and open your heart. Jesus knows who you are. And so let's just pray together. Just say, Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Savior. I may not understand it, but I believe it. And I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to heal me. I ask you to restore me. And I ask you to repurpose my life. All that I am, I give to you. And all that you are, I receive as mine. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me bless you one more time.